When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hi, everybody. Um, Thanks for coming to the Civilized Barking Podcast Funeral Edition. Uh, Zach Jackson and Jason Lloyd. About two hours exactly since um, one of the more improbable comebacks, an unfathomable melt by the home team. Um, they lost a game they had no business losing. It took about 12 screw-ups. Um, there's a lot of blame, a lot of culpability, a lot of frustration, Jason. Um, the Browns are not a perfect team. They did not play a perfect game. Everything says they should have won. The eyes, the numbers, the fact that inside the two-minute warning, a two-touchdown lead, their team had no timeouts, right? But they kept leaving the door open. They kept not covering anybody. And, um, you know, I guess I asked a couple questions or so in the locker room, but this is the first time in those two hours I've, I've said anything out loud other than that. So like to even talk about it, it's, it's hard to fathom that it's real and I've covered this damn team for 23 years. This, uh, let's play the greatest hits because this is part of what I'm writing. This is the worst loss since they came back. Like it has to be the Dwayne Rudd helmet throw is where my mind went at first. But then I went back and looked at that game, and that was a really close game. Like, the Chiefs led with three minutes left in that game. That The the, the ending was in doubt all the way through for the most part. Browns were in complete control of this game up until the two-minute warning, up until I, – I, I just I, – it, it's the worst loss to me since they came back, given that there's actual expectations for this team, given that we thought we were beyond nonsense like this happening. Mm-hmm. You said it in the locker room, Zach. These are the type of losses that get somebody fired. So is this the worst loss since they came back? And who's getting fired tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, the comp other than Rudd would be the 2001 game in Chicago. where they. I heard somebody mention that. I didn't remember that one. Yeah. They led by 14 and got walked off by Mike Brown, uh, the safety. Um, and it was – but but that was a Browns team that – and they, they, I think they went seven and nine that year. Like they were a competitive team, but you know they they were no expectations, no expectations. And it was a road game. It was early in the season. I remember that, and, and they all count. And so, yeah, I mean, let's put history aside. You know, like this this is a team that we know has the circumstances, many of which are their own doing. Um, but it's a team that's built something. The first continuity this organization has had in fifteen years in terms of coach, coordinator, players. They've never had a roster, um, you know, with this much NFL experience and accomplishment, right? And they have a blueprint. They have a limited quarterback. Well, Jason, on a day that the quarterback played super well, that they rolled up 400 yards of offense, and like we're not going to sit here and just read the numbers off because that's shitty podcasting, that's shitty writing. But the Jets weren't at 300 yards. The Browns were at 400, right? We know what the Browns are and aren't. Chubb and Hunt did their thing. 
The Browns won the time of possession. They were winning the turnover battle. Like everything that this team needs to have happen was happening. And we know what this team needed to have happen, and that's to win these games against bad teams. And the Jets are a bad team. And maybe the Browns are too. We know we're, we're going to dive into that. But you have to win these games early because the schedule makers gave you a gift. And last week you rode the roller coaster and you escaped it and you had a chance two home games in four days to really get it going. Maybe be 3-0, and maybe be 4. Hell, I don't know, right? But, but build these wins. Play out your blueprint. The offense, the scripts early were beautiful. The play calls were beautiful. And Jacoby Brissett, who I've killed, played an A or B-plus game. And, man, your special teams, your secondary, your game management, everything went to shit at once. And, and yeah, so historically, historical perspective or not, whether we're right or not with Kansas City, Chicago, or where the Browns were in 2001, we know where they are in 2022. And everyone played a hand in this complete melt, and it's inexcusable. And I heard Stefanski say youth after the game. And in his defense, I like Kevin, and, and what's he supposed to say? But, Jason, this defense has played together, and they got shredded all day long. And even if they didn't get shredded all day long, and even if they didn't play together, when you're up fucking 13 with two minutes left and the other team has no timeouts, you just can't get the ball thrown over your head. And not only did they get the ball thrown over their head, but nobody was even on that half of the field to even begin to make it a challenging play. Yeah, obviously the defense is going to shoulder the bulk of the burden. You're right. We can go through and, and talk about, you know, Kareem Hunt running out of bounds twice. Uh, Chubb scoring the touchdown. If he falls over, they win the game. There, there's plenty of blame to go around. Cade missing the extra point, not being able to cover an onside kick. But the defense, I think, is going to shoulder the bulk of this, and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. You know, They gave up 172 yards last week against Carolina just in the fourth quarter. Obviously, the deep shot to Robbie Anderson on a blown coverage. They gave up 161 today in the fourth quarter, most of that in the last two minutes. Uh, the deep shot again. And, you know, Kevin didn't want to put blame. He said, we win as a team, we lose as a team. Everyone's going to want to put blame, but we're not going to do that. Well, yes, we are. Of course we're going to do that. And in talking to guys in the locker room, um, you know, I Denzel Ward blew the coverage. Just say it. And, you know, no one wants to say it on the record, but Denzel blew it. And when you're making the money he's making, you can't be the guy that blows the, that blows a simple communication coverage like that. And, right. and so, and, and, you like you it, on one hand, it, it seems fairly fixable. You know, you ought to be able to correct it pretty easily. On the other hand, they're not going to practice between now and Thursday, right? Like they may have one walkthrough, but they're not really going to practice. Oh, now they are. Now, now your itinerary is out the window. <laughs> you think you think he brings them out Tuesday and goes through a full practice? Yeah, Tuesday? and they were going to practice, but you're right. It's mostly just walkthroughs in, in this week. Um, when you say Denzel, you're talking specifically about the 66 yarder. Where Corey the 66 yarder. Yes. yes. So after yes. that, you still have, you don't recover the onside kick or just bat it out of bounds, which you're taught to do, right? And then you stand there against Joe Flacco and you let him pick you apart on the same plays in the middle over and over and over again. And again, we're, we're two hours removed from the game. I'm still, you know, only 20 yards down from the seat that I sat in for, for four hours. I haven't watched the game. It seemed like Grand Delpit got picked on. And I know that guys ran wide open all day into the flats and into the middle. And the Jets get the ball back after the onside kick with no timeouts. And I know Clowney's out too, but you still have, right, this, this superhuman pass rusher. You have all these guys who have played. Emerson's the only rookie who plays on defense. And he did what he did all day, which is throw to wide open guys. I mean, 
I, I haven't seen a replay of the, the winning touchdown, Jason. I know it was completely unsurprising, and I know he was wide open in the middle of the field. I, I don't I, I don't know how that happens week after week. Like, we, we saw it last year. We saw blown coverages like this last year, and they seem to get it cleaned up after New England, and now it's back. And, and you know, listen, I don't think Joe Woods is getting fired tonight. I don't think anybody's getting fired tonight, but you're right. This is a fireable game. Like, this is a game that gets people fired. So what do you do now? What do you do Monday? Is there is there anyone that's in jeopardy, do you think, or do you think this is just going to be a really bad couple of days? Um, you know, I don't think that Stefanski's a reactionary. We know the ownership is, right? Yes. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I mean, I think the special teams coach has not been good at his job for the extent of his time here. And for Joe Woods to have this in the two games, the last five quarters that we've seen the Browns, right? Um, yeah. I mean, we're, we're all in on this season, right? Organizationally, when I say we, we're top down. We're, we're ready to go for it. We made this trade. We mortgaged our future. We gave $240 million to a guy who's not allowed at the stadium. We brought Clowney back. <laughs> Right, we got Miles Garrett, world record. We just gave Denzel Ward a hundred million, highest paid corner in the league. Right, paid John Johnson last year, brought Anthony Walker back, drafted JOK and Newsom, and that made us feel good enough to go do the Watson trade and think we got we got Kareem Hunt for one more year. We got one of the best offensive. Yeah, hell yeah, Joe Woods is on the hot seat. I mean, they all are. <laughs> they all are. Like they all are. You're right. They all are. They all are. Like Everybody I, is. I struggled. You know. And I'll just say this. I've, I've talked to you about this off the mic. Like sometimes the hardest time to write is after a game because you know what you saw, but you're tired. You haven't processed it yet. Right. You're there's a lot going on. And, and you're like you're writing for people who watched it and it's fresh. It's not like you worked on something behind the scenes for three months. Right. So I'm sitting there going over this and like all of the things that happened are inexcusable. It's dumb football. It is dumb football by Kareem Hunt. It's dumb football by Nick Chubb. It's an excusable miss by Cade York, who is a rookie but is a big boy, and it's bad there. But you start placing blame, and you can in those plays I mentioned and the 66-yarder that you mentioned and whatever, but they all had to happen, Jason. They all had to happen. Yep. Including yep. The, when you're up by 13 points with a minute 55 left and the other team has no timeouts, one stop wins it. But actually, zero stops wins it because you sit back and you make them go eight yards at a time. And then if they do score, you get them in the red zone and you make them run something different. And then if they do score, then they have no time and they still have to get the onside, which the percentage of NFL onside success rate is like 7%. So think about all that had to happen, and it did. And as I wrote, and you guys will see in my first thought story, on Friday mornings in the team meeting, they show a video of all the weird rules applications and two-minute situations where teams do and don't have timeouts and are up eight and they're down four. You know, all of that stuff is shown to the team with the coaches and everybody in there, so they can they have real-life applications. Stop the film. Okay, how did Denver handle this? Well, what would we have done? Right? How did Houston handle this? Well, what would we have done? What should they have done? You go over it, and here just. Three days, two days removed from that, the Browns are starring in their own horror movie because like 13 mistakes were made in a short time span and it allowed them to lose a game that they had no business losing and one that can sink the season. 100%. And that's where I think now is an apt time to point out they are a 58-yard field goal away from being 0-2. A team that should be 2-0. and 
Like, they should be 2-0. and And this is the NFL, right? Like, we all know that. This The game swing, they're all tight games and everything else. Okay, fine. I acknowledge that. This team should be 2-0, and yet they're a 58-yard field goal away from being 0-2. I don't know if this sinks the season or not, but it, it certainly I, – I think the, the problem is the fact that you got to play again in four days against a team that has absolutely owned you for the last 25 years, and I'm not ready to write off the Steelers as quickly as a lot of other people seem to be. And that's where I think this could start to unravel. It's not necessarily this one loss. It's this loss, plus you have to come right back to the stadium in four days and play your nemesis that you have not had a whole lot of success against in the last 25 years. You lose that one, and now this is when the wheels start to pop off. Yeah. So to a fan listening to this or someone who was at the game today um, or you know watched the game today and is invested, like you feel the burn. Of, your hangover is awful tomorrow because it's all of these, right? But you live in the moment here, and this team's not burdened by that, by by 2001 or Dwayne Rudd or, you know, whatever. But Mitch Trubisky is Mitch Trubisky, and he's awful. And, yes, you respect the hell out of the Steelers, and they scare you, but their pass offense is a mess. And, like, what we've seen over these last five quarters, can you fix that in two days? Right? No. I mean, can no. you, like, is there a worse scenario? Then giving that group confidence because we know how the Steelers draft receivers—they're the best that's ever done it. They just—they can't get going. It's early in the year. I mean, you look around the league like at halftime today, the one o'clock games. Like there's low scores and bad offense everywhere. You know, it, it happens. These these are extensions of the preseason. You, you got to fight and scratch and claw. And I'm sitting there, Jason, and I'm writing about Stefanski's creativity and variety in the early game they're not doing anything super fancy but they're dressing up the little things that they're doing right and through the game how Jacoby Brissett who's not mobile is making plays with his feet Jacoby Brissett who's you know shaky quarterback is making accurate reads and getting the ball out confidently and keeping plays alive and it's clear the coach has more confidence in him right and we all know the blueprint is get the lead in the fourth quarter and let those guys salt it away and Nick Chubb is phenomenal. And Joe Thomas went in the Legends Club today, and Nick Chubb will go in that someday too. And he might, hell, he might go to Canton with Joe Thomas. But he cannot run that ball in the end zone. That is football 101. That happened a couple of years ago. And I think it was last year, wasn't it? Last year when they had that exact situation. Maybe it was a couple, I think it was, I, I don't know. They had the end. Kevin told him, like, don't score, mm-hmm. fall down. And, and Nick did. And Kevin said today, post game, we didn't talk about it. And and I don't think – I think Kevin, for whatever reason, felt like this situation was different than it was back then. And he just said, like, you need we, – we just had to finish. We just have to finish the game. That score puts you up two scores, and you feel sure. pretty good about that, and you just need to finish the game. So I understand what he's saying. But, but yeah, you know, if Nick falls down there at the goal line and they take a knee, the game's over, and you win by seven. Right. And, like, that's what it's supposed to be. And you have to know that. And so that goes on to fans. But, I mean, the special teams stink. Stink and have stunk. And this past defense, like, I don't know. We know these are good players. We've seen it. So, like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not watching the coach's film. I don't have the coach's calls. I'm not an expert in what they do. But I know, Jason, when teams, you know, in zone coverage, you have responsibilities and cover one cover. We all know the basic principles of that, right? 
That's why offenses run certain things to zones and flood guys and try to put them in position to the, where they do uncomfortable things and make uncomfortable decisions. And hell, the Jets left Amari Cooper in the second quarter in the end zone. They didn't cover the Browns' best receiver. It happens, right? It, it happens right. in the NFL. But for it to happen over and over again, and even amidst all that craziness, for them to just sit there and let those the Jets complete those passes. I mean, on that last play, the last nine plays, there was one contested catch I can think of. And I'm not talking the super contested catch. Like, the guy went up, and I think it was Newsom. I could be wrong on that. Somebody's on his back. The rest of the time, they're running free. I mean, a half step is wide open in the NFL. Guys were three and five yards open on the last drive of the game. Six-point lead, your season at stake. So this is more than communication. This is this is extreme communication issues. And are there effort issues or are there simple competence issues with either the call or the player or the huddle or all of the above? I don't know, but you have to think yes. I'm scrolling through the division. The Ravens blew a huge lead against Miami and gagged that game away, so they lose. Steelers lose to the Patriots. As we record this, the Bengals are losing to the Cowboys. Do you take any solace in that? That uh, some pretty, I mean, the Ravens' loss was equally as bad. Well, yeah, maybe no, not I equally would say as bad, a lot but of close. That are like disgusted right now, and a lot of fan bases that are disgusted right now. But nobody did what the Browns did. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, we know we 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 were we sit by each other during the game. We knew the Ravens led that game thirty-five fourteen. We didn't see one play. I guess I saw two plays at halftime of the Browns game. I have no idea what happened down the stretch. I know that they won on the very last play or the very next to last play. Like, and it's sickening, but this is <laughs> this is a whole different level. Like, <laughs> I don't know. May, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the Dolphins ran the same two plays over and over again and the Ravens just didn't cover them. I have a hard time believing that's the case. I'll go back on that and watch it tomorrow, the condensed version. Yeah. Um. Like I said, I I I in, sit there during the game, and not only do we talk about it, Jason, but I envision what I'm going to write. I envision the two or three things we're going to talk about on the podcast of, hey, this was really impressive. Hey, this was a crucial moment. Hey, this looks different or from last time, or this looks alarming going forward based upon what happened or, or who they play. But, like, all of that right now just seems like to even go there just seems ridiculous because – the Browns can't cover a receiver and a team that prides itself on being a smart organization and knows and operates like it doesn't have much margin for error. And like I mentioned that meeting and all the preparation and 4,000 analytics employees and all of this stuff, they leave the door open and then they have all of these screw ups to give it away. But the core of it being that this John Johnson makes a shit ton of money. Denzel Ward makes a shit ton of money. Greg Newsom is going to make a shit ton of money. Ronnie Harrison's been in the league for five years. Grant Delpit's a second-round pick. I mean, I know he missed his rookie year, but he's played in 20 NFL games now. Like, what? There's no excuse for this. So these, these are major, major layers of issues. It's not one miscommunication or one guy's playing the wrong coverage in one spot. Like fundamental football basics are being ignored, and New York Jets wide receivers are running free. And Joe Flacco, who's my age, 
is tossing 13-yard lobs down the field at the end of the game after all these brain farts happened. And you're powerless to stop it. Like, what's going on? I, I, I'm i speechless. Like, I've been speechless most of the last couple of hours. And I just, the only thing that keeps rolling through my head is we kept saying all offseason, they can count on the defense. They can count on the defense. Right. You know, you don't know what you're going to get out of Jacoby. Well, you do know what you're going to get out of Jacoby Brissett. And they got far more out of him than I ever thought that they could. Now, this is the easy part of the schedule. And I thought if they could, if they were going to stack good offensive numbers, it was going to come in these first four games. And he played significantly better than he played last week. He didn't, he hit all the layups this week. He, he blew all the layups last week. He hit all the layups this week. You said three or four times during the game, they can't get him down. They just can't get him down. For a guy who does not move well at all, he is nimble enough, and at least today was mobile enough that they couldn't get him on the ground. And and you, ne- you never thought going in that you were going to have to worry this much about the defense this early on. And I guess that's what's most alarming. I said it earlier in the podcast. We thought that they figured out, sorted through a lot of their issues last year after the Patriots game. They really seemed to. Um, you're right, Jason. We're having technical difficulties here, but we're getting ready to wind it up anyway. Um, you can count on the defense. You're supposed to. And like I said, it, it it's never one play often in an NFL game, especially one that's decided at the end. You know, there are there's a crucial third down, a crucial fourth down, a crucial call or non-call that swings the momentum. You know, the Browns did not play a smart game to start with. And, and the, the, the booing of the secondary started in the third quarter. That was a consistent issue, you know, end of the first half. Um, and frankly, might have been losing at halftime if Clowney doesn't take that ball away. You have the drop by Najoku. You have the penalty by Najoku. But the punter showed up, bailed you out. And, and again, it just comes down to if the Browns have the lead in the fourth quarter, they feel like their offensive line and their run game are going to salt it away. And they didn't. And we've said what we can say about it here. Um, I, I'm I'm stupefied. So it's a short week. There will be another podcast, at least one. Um, there will be content for you guys to read. We thank you for listening. Um, I'm sorry if you're a diehard Browns fan. I'm sorry. I don't know what else to say. Uh, pretty unfathomable. Um, just wow. Anyway, um, that's it for Zach and Jason. Um, this has been Civilized Barking. And we'll talk to you soon. Like I said, I don't know exactly when, but at least once more before Thursday night versus the Steelers. A game that was always big and always was going to be season-defining and always was going to bring the attention and now, um, wow. <laughs>